91.3 KXCI Tucson. Real people, real radio. Hello out there in KXCI land. We're so glad you're joining us today on Broad Perspectives Radio, a program by women, about women, but for everyone. This is Kathy Harris with my co-host, Aspen Green, and you can learn more on our Broad Perspectives radio page at kxci.org. Today, we are talking to Kathy Keller and Hassan Clement, a couple of people involved in a very different kind of venue and a very different kind of production. In fact, these two are very different kinds of people with such interesting backgrounds and multiple talents. Aspen, tell us about our guest today. It's a great pleasure to have both Kathy Keller and Hassan Clement on our show today. Kathy was born in Budapest, Hungary, and she has lived most of her life, though, in the United States. She received her BA in Washington, D.C., and for three decades, she organized and participated in numerous exhibitions and art exchange projects. Since moving to Tucson, Arizona in 2009, Kathy has been finding new connections and new inspirations among artists and performers in Tucson. Her first explorations of performance art took place in Washington in the early 2000s and continued in Tucson after she built a carport theater on her own property. In 2001, she started a tradition of an annual spring community performance event involving theater, dance, music, and art. She has since moved the performances to other venues, including the Sea of Glass, where this next performance will be Flipping the Apocalypse. Hassan lives and works as a community organizer activist in the Amphi neighborhood. He is the project manager of a nonviolence legacy program which uses the curriculum of Kingian nonviolence. It's a conflict resolution and reconciliation as practiced by Martin Luther King Jr. to address personal and social issues. Hassan is a poet as well as a community organizer, and his poem was selected for the performance Flipping the Apocalypse. Welcome to our show, both of you. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. So- So Budapest, Hungary to Washington, D.C., we always want to ask our guests, how did you end up in Tucson? I lived in Washington, D.C. for over 30 years, and I developed very severe allergies and asthma. That's what really pushed me. I mean, I had an attraction. I had a kind of fantasy about the Southwest, but I knew nothing at all. And in fact, I came to Tucson absolutely blind. One of my friends had gone to the U of A to their graduate poetry program. She told me some nice things about it, but frankly, I I knew nothing. And I arrived here and fell in love with Tucson right away. Yeah, that is the common thread. When I ask everybody, everybody falls in love with Tucson right away. So Hassan, how did you find your way to Tucson? I was born in Hartford, Connecticut in 1959. I I don't like the winter. Uh, Connecticut, a lot of snow. So from Hartford, I went to Boston, down the Atlantic seaboard, around the Gulf Coast. And every place I stopped, it it got cold, man. Tampa, Florida, it rained too much. And San Antonio, the ice storms, man. It's just, I came to Tucson and my first Thanksgiving on a patio in a T-shirt. I was sold. I love Tucson. <laughs> and then 
the benefit of the Sonoran Desert. Mm -hmm. I just, it's it's just so unique and so vital. And uh, that's my love story. I, that's how I fell in love with Tucson. Uh, Thanksgivings and T-shirts in the Sonoran Desert. I came here also the first time in the winter and I'm coming from New York City and I had the same experience as you. So would you mind, Hassan, talking briefly about your community work with activism? Being the project manager of the Nonviolence Legacy Program in 2019, uh, right, right coming into COVID, we decided to dedicate ourselves to the Amphi neighborhood. And in doing that, at that time, we were working with schools, mainly high school students, certifying them in the curriculum of Kenyan nonviolence. And, but at that time, teachers were really under stress. It was during COVID, administrators were under stress, and it was hard for us to get a foothold. My sink broke, my toilet broke, and my air conditioner broke, all at the same time during a heat wave. And the property manager was not responsive. There are 80 doors in this complex that I live in. I knocked on 79 doors and found 16 other people with complaints just like mine. And they weren't getting a response from the property management. So collectively, we worked together and using the curriculum of Kingy and Nonviolence as a base, we reached out to our Ward uh, 3 Council office. Kevin Dow's office has been very, very helpful to us. Yeah. We reached out to Southern Arizona Legal Aid, Code Enforcement, Old Pueblo Community Services came along and, and became a partner, the Tucson Tennis Union, and, and even the Pima County Constable's office. That surprised me. We got all of our issues solved in about five months. Um, the exterior problems and our safety problems, they were addressed. That propelled me to continue working on housing. And now in collaboration with Councilman Kevin Dow and Ward 3, Old Pueblo Community Services, we have a pilot program going on. We're going to train tenants in our neighborhood to go door to door to inform other tenants of their rights to fit and habitable housing under Arizona state law. We're going to advocate with people when they need repairs. And our goal is to empower ourselves. It's each one teach one. And the program is called the Amphi Pantera's Tenant Empowerment Program. And okay. Pantera, Spanish for Panther, that's our nod to the Black Panthers and their philosophy of each one teach one. Wow. That could be a whole show in itself, maybe even a series. I hope that your successful model spreads throughout other areas in Tucson as well. I think it was 2018, the last time you, Kathy, were on our show. I am sure lots has happened since then. At that time, we were talking about the idea of beauty and stillness and movement. We are now here to talk about your upcoming performance at the Sea of Glass called Flipping the Apocalypse. But first, let's share with our audience the history of Carport Theater. All right. Carport Theater's first show was in 2011, shortly after I moved into a house with a very large carport that seemed to invite theatrical activity. It was just a very friendly neighborhood event that I continued and developed over the next 12 years. Reaching out into the community, involving more folks, taking on more ambitious projects, 
until about shortly before the pandemic. It really, I think 2018 might have been the year or 2019 when we actually did one of our performances at the YWCA, the Zuzi Dance Performance Space. Yeah. And started looking outward to more conventional theater spaces. Okay. Besides doing performing arts, you are quite a painter. Are you still using these two very different art forms, doing video art in your plays? And are you building the sets yourself still? Absolutely. I am integrating the visual art with the performance. I often do paintings that I then record into video and animate for the shows. I've done that for the last couple of shows, and I'm going to do it this time as well. I'm very lucky this year to have a former artistic partner from Washington, D.C. come to Tucson. We built sets and installations together 35 years ago in Washington, D.C., and he has decided that a cross-country trip to someplace warm in November will be just right. It's such a great place to be in the wintertime, Tucson. There is no doubt. So can you uh, explain the process of creating these events? Talk about the core group that evolves out of this process. So the core group has evolved very organically because it has been quite a casual group of friends, at least in the very beginning. I was so fortunate to be introduced to Nanette Robinson. And as it turned out, she was a neighbor. And I've been very lucky to have great neighbors also who either get involved as performers or just enjoy coming to the shows. Yes. Nanette and a couple of other folks from Zuzi Dance have been regulars. Melinda Dorling. Um, I think Melinda might have been on our show the last time. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. And then other folks have come in over time who, you know, just had an affinity for this kind of unstructured and sort of jazz-like, as Hasana said, approach to theater. Alison Torba has been in a good many of our performances. And Joe Harmonica, who is a really interesting writer and artist and performer, has also taken part a number of times. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. It's such a unique project. Every time I hear about it, I always wish that I lived on your block. It might give me some opportunity to do things on my bucket list. So, Hassan, can you talk about the poem you submitted for this project and how it's going to be presented? I love how it's going to be presented and and can't wait to uh, meet Nanette. In 2017, in connection with the Nonviolence Legacy Program, we always had a two-week summer institute we brought in high school and, and middle school students, and they were trained and certified in the curriculum of Kingian nonviolence. And um, and this year, uh, we happened to have 25 young people who were born in refugee camps in Tanzania, and their parents were refugees from Rwanda and Uganda. Uh, these young people, they were brilliant. Some of them knew four or five different languages, Some of them were going to school like six days a week, and they were very artistic as well, very creative. But being new to the United States of America, they felt the racism and they felt the oppression of this country, and they felt the otherness of this country. 
So the poem starts out about unity, but it talks about differences and talks about being other and uh, like laughter. These children, they felt like they were inferior because they were getting laughed at and they didn't understand the nuances of our society. They were brilliant. They knew four languages and people who could barely speak English were laughing at them and, and making fun of them. And so as the program manager, my job was to empower them and, and also to help them to feel good about themselves. So the beginning of the poem talks about being other and hearing laughter and not understanding and, and wanting to understand the nuances and, and to fit in as all children want to do. All children want to fit in and be part of. The poem goes on to center around the drum. These young people were very creative. They were dancers and singers with uh, just so much beauty. And the poem goes on to talk about how we unify with, with that creativity, with that dance and around mm -hmm. music. Okay. The way Kathy and Nanette, one of our other partners, Denise Bay, a drummer, the way they're going to present this, it's a picture about unity and how we can come together with things that are nonverbal using dance and using music. Okay, that sounds fantastic. You just convinced me. I'm so looking forward to coming and seeing this. Can I just ask if there are other actors or other poems that were submitted that are a part of this, or is it all built around this one poem? Yes, there are other pieces. There are two short scripts and one other poem that were selected. And then we had a certain amount of material from a kind of dry run that I did of the show last fall. So we kept some material from that, and then we added the material that came through the call for entries. Okay. Well, it's a wonderful time for a music break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about flipping the apocalypse. Over to you, Kathy. I think it's a great time for a song. And a song that Kathy has chosen is called A Fish on Land, and it's by Lassa de Sela. Do you want to tell us why you chose this song? It's an unusual choice for us. I was introduced to Lassa de Sela's music in Montreal maybe 10 years ago. At, sadly, at a memorial for her, she was a very beloved musician in Montreal, and she died young. This song resonates for me on a number of levels, and it kind of resonates with the show because the images of a dying fish and of a sense of urgency to save, but it also has this kind of anthropomorphic content because the fish is really a man. It's kind of like the human condition to be between two worlds. And it ends beautifully with, with a marriage in that to me is like, the, that's the ultimate goal of the Jungian path is to connect these two. I mean, here in the, in the song, it's the two lovers, but in a broader sense, it's the conscious and the unconscious. It's these two worlds that we are always trying to bring together somehow. Okay, thank you for that explanation. And just a few words about the author, Lassa de Sela. She was an American Canadian singer songwriter she was a world music artist who sang in Spanish, French, and English. Her debut album in 1998, which was done in Spanish, La Llorana, won the Juno Award for Best Global Album of the Year and earned her a Juno nomination for Best New Solo Artist. 
Unfortunately, she died of breast cancer on New Year's Day in 2010 at the age of only 37. Man, another great artist who left us too soon, but thank you for bringing her to us. So let's listen now to A Fish on Land by Lassa de Sela from her album, Lassa. You're listening to Broad Perspectives Radio on 91.3 KXCI Tucson, and we're continuing our conversation with Kathy Keller and Hassan Clement about their latest production through Carport Theater called Flipping the Apocalypse. Do you still call yourselves metaphysical, vaudeville, and explain what that phrase means to you? Yeah, I think that's still relevant to what the Carport Theater does. And basically, it's bringing together two opposites that I'm very interested in because I've always had a kind of philosophical bent of mind and I like to explore metaphysical ideas. But theatrically, it can be absolutely a killer and it's too serious and doesn't have the energy that a vaudevillian approach, because we use a lot of slapstick. It's almost like you can't bring these two things together, but it still works. For this, I was inspired by the playwright Tom Stoppard, who has done pieces where he really makes hilarious comments on philosophical ideas through a kind of slapstick. I don't think there's any other theater in town that is like you. It is so unique and creative and different. It sounds fantastic. So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Aspen. Thank you. So as you mentioned a little bit that you work with Jungian concepts as a way of understanding the existential challenge of our current world situation. How is it related to flipping the apocalypse, your current production? Can you give us a little bit more detail on that? Sure, sure. I'd love to. And actually, it was by reading a book by a Jungian scholar entitled Archetype of the Apocalypse that I really became moved to make the next production on this topic because I was fascinated by how he drew a parallel between a pattern in the human mind that goes across cultures and times where we have a scenario for the ending of the world. It is frequently a very catastrophic scenario, and it frequently involves some kind of retribution for wickedness. (laughs) This is universal. And the the Jungian view is this is really an established pattern in the human psyche. And in a certain sense, we need to go there because of our mind's limitation that we need to experience life as linear time. If it's linear time, it has to have a beginning and it has to have an end. I mean, many times in history, but you could say that right now, it's absolutely inescapable that signs are all over the place, that we genuinely could be near the end. In fact, our play starts out with the line, it's 90 seconds to doomsday, which was the latest evaluation (laughs) of the doomsday clock. But our show is really, to a great extent, about the nature of time itself. In the show, we go backward and forward and, and stop time. This examination of time relates also to the human experience of love. To be able to experience our timelessness is what 
the experience of love is. And so that's why it all leads to the final poem that we will perform as a cast. We're in this place of incredible urgency. Almost everyone I talk to is feeling this sense of like, how much longer can things go on? Um, And we cannot get an answer from our rational linear minds. We have to step out and, and experiencing love is how we step out. Experiencing unity, letting go of our limited views and our judgments is how we step out. That is the theme of the show. So how do you think the audience is going to feel when they leave this play? I had worried about that because I started on this project about two years ago. The initial title was just Apocalypse or Nine Times Apocalypse because we had nine different performances. I was even afraid of inviting people to participate or to be in the audience because I thought, oh my God, this is going to be such a downer. But as I, well, first of all, I found that people were very interested and they didn't care that it was a downer because they were already thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so there's no escaping it. I'm hoping that people will see this and go through some kind of a shift. When I say flipping the apocalypse, it's more like an inner shift. That's what I'm hoping people will experience when they, because I certainly don't pretend to, that we can come up with any kind right. of you know, solutions. It's kind of like the saying, the only thing that we can change is ourselves. Exactly, exactly. So it's a conversation that I think happens, at least with me and my friends, almost on a daily basis of what's happening now. This is something that I think everybody can relate to, for sure. Can you tell us how we can purchase tickets and find out more about Carport Theater in general? Do you have a website? The website is carporttheater.com and information about the show is already posted. Tickets will be available for purchase probably in a couple of weeks. There is a information email that people can go to on the site if they have any questions or want to get involved in any way as this is a community project. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. How can listeners get get involved? What are you looking for? Are you looking for writers or ushers or donations or probably all of the above? (laughs) I would say writers we don't need anymore. I am going to be auditioning some theater students at Pima next week, so I think that our cast will be complete, although that's not absolutely certain. So I wouldn't rule out someone who's very enthusiastic about performing to check in with us and see if we can still use their talents. Donations, of course, we would love, and we will have the capacity to receive them online in a couple of weeks. Ushers, yes, absolutely, we could use some for the show. Okay, that's good to know. So tell us one more time when and where this performance is going to be. It's going to be on Sunday night, November the 19th at 7 p.m. at the Sea of Glass. Unfortunately, we're out of time. That's what happens to us every week. I never get to ask all the questions I want to because the time just flies. Thank you both so much for being on the show today. And I look forward to this. This is something I think all my friends would want to go to. That's for sure. Oh, thank you, Aspen. Thank you. Being a man, I'm honored to be here. Thank you very much. (laughs)
Yes, our <laughs> listeners should notice that we have a man in our show this time. <laughs> yes, very key to this production. And it yes. does sound like a fascinating production. I'm particularly interested with your concept of time. Very, oh, thanks, Kathy. very unusual to see that. I'll look forward to it too. But unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. But Kathy Keller and Hassan Clement, thanks so much for being with us today to talk about the Corporate Theater and your production of Flipping the Apocalypse. It sounds so creative and different. A big thanks to you for all your contributions to the arts in Tucson. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to Broad Perspectives Radio today. Don't forget, you can find out more on our Broad Perspectives Radio page at kxci.org. But now stay tuned because next up we have Boom Goddess Radio with Jennifer Davis Page. Have a great Sunday and we'll see you next week.